It's time now for the Pulpit Hour, featuring some of God's choice preachers. Stay tuned at the end of today's message for information on how you can obtain a copy of today's sermon. John's Gospel, chapter number one. John's Gospel, chapter number one. So far, we have seen the Creator and His creation. We have looked at the condemnation and its consequences. We have looked at the Creator now and His compassion. And we're going to be looking at the Creator and His cross, or the Christ and His cross. But I want you to think about this. We started in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We are now in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. So we see the same kind of context here. But let's go back to where we've been. In the beginning, God. The first thing I want you to remember that at some point, God created everything. The word beginning has nothing to do with the beginning point of eternity. There was a beginning point to God creating. And I want you to notice in Genesis 1-1, there is zero verses on explaining where God came from. God is not in any uh, desire to explain Him in any more detail than what He's given us. You either believe He exists or you do not. But may I remind you that if you say this creation stuff is so garbage, how can you believe in a God that just happened to be there and created all this? Let me remind you that your alternative is there happened to be two particles that collided in midair and exploded and it fell into soup and the soup became your great, 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 great grandfather. Okay? So I just want to remind you, if you think my really ridiculous, yours is even worse. Okay? If you want your great, 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 great grandfather to be soup, then you can believe in that stuff. My great, 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 great grandfather came from the same place I did, the hand of God, through Adam and Eve, and then finally through Ham, Shem, and Japheth when the world was redone. We found that, this was so interesting to me, because we found that in the beginning God created, bara, out of nothing, the heavens and the earth. And then God started speaking and putting things in the place. And the first thing God did was he spoke and said, let there be light. Why? Because the world was in darkness. And all without Christ are in darkness. So the first thing God did is he brought light. And I want to remind you, it's not the sun. It's not the moon. It's not that. They haven't been created yet. That's day three. This is the light. So we have in Genesis 1.1, God's there. It's the word Elohim, which is a plural word followed by a singular verb. That denotes one unity of three persons. We get over there, we find that it's, the context is creation, and the first thing he talks about is light. Fast forward to John's Gospel, chapter number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the beginning. The beginning of what? Same thing, creation. Did you notice in verse 3 the context of John 1, 1 is creation again? I want you to notice verse 3. All things were made by Him. 
And without him was not anything made that was made. The context is creation. But I also want you to notice something else. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Kind of sounds like Genesis chapter number one, doesn't it? Now, let's take a look at the timing of this. We see the similarities of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God, He's there. In the beginning was the Word. He's there. When has He never been? The Bible says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I descend to the lowest parts of hell, thou art there. If I'm in the deepest sea, thou art there. Where are you going to go and get away from God? I feel sorry for people who don't believe in God and say they're atheists because they can't go anywhere where God's not been and is. Isn't that something? He is. There's no place you can run and get away from Him. There'll be a day when you'll want to run to Him, but it'll be too late when His judgment day comes. We see here also that there is light being shown. So we don't have to take a look at what's going on here. The first thing I want you to notice after the timing is the tense. I'm going to show you the tense of the verb. It's very important here. See, English, we, can, we have the verb to be. We're, we're familiar with the verb to be. So in the verb to be, we can say, I am. That's right now. I was. That's back in the past. I'm going. I, that, that's the only three things we can get. In order to make it any different, we've got to add adverbs to make it different. In the Greek, it's not that way. John chose a word that takes us out of time. It's the, it's the imperfect tense of emi, E-I-M-I. And that's the verb to be. The imperfect tense. The perfect tense denotes a completed action. The imperfect tense is a continual. So the first thing we see is that this verb is a continuous verb, meaning that in the beginning, the word continued. No beginning point. The word just continues. It's continuous, ongoing living. In other words, there's no starting point with the word, just like there's no starting point with Elohim, God. Then he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now we see a distinction. Why? Because we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, three distinct personalities, one person. And so it's, a, by the way, it's also in the active voice, which means it's continually active. This person's not dead, he's alive and active. It's also in the indicative mood, which means it's for real, it's certain, it's truth. You, there's, no, there's no doubting about it. The way the Greek is written is it nails it. In the beginning, back at creation, the word Jesus existed, has always existed, continues to exist, and it's truthful. It's certain, and you can bank on it. Now it says here, in the beginning was the word, or continuous action, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I've always said these denominations and these religions that want to say Jesus is not God are going to have a nightmare with the gospel of John. Because in the gospel of John, in the very first verse, three times the word was is used, denoting continual existence. It says back there in the beginning, the word is there. The word was with God and the word 
is God. Now listen to me. You don't believe Jesus is God. Your salvation's on the line. Because only God can save you. Your salvation's on the line. You don't believe He is. And He's not done. The same was in the beginning with God. Same was. They have never been separated but one time. Does that shock you? One time there was a separation. Somehow God in His almighty power was able to separate out and I believe with all my heart, Brother Steve, and I'm not smart like you are because I don't have all those fancy, fancy Greek and Hebrew things, but I believe this with all my heart. You'll never shake me of this, that when Jesus sweat, as it were, drops of blood in the garden and cried out, Abba, Father. That's a great word, Abba. Abba is such an endearing term, and he's crying out to his dear, awesome, uh, that, that, you know, that tight connection. Abba, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The agony in the garden had nothing to do with the nails. The agony in the garden had nothing to do with the cat of nine tails that was going to rip his body. The agony in the garden had nothing to do with them pulling the beard out. Had nothing to do with them spitting on him and calling him names and slapping him and saying, prophesy who hits you. It had nothing to do with them piercing him with a spear. It had nothing to do with anything physical, but it had to do with that hour, that moment in time when God was going to place on His Son all the sin of the world and God turned His back on His Son and the Bible says there was not light but darkness. See, that had never happened before. That was an experience that was going to be new. To Jesus. Had Jesus felt any pain since he'd been on the planet? I mean, as a human, my Bible says his human side got weary and hungry. I mean, on his human side, there were things he went through. But, my friend, he'd never been separated from his father. But you remember what your Bible says in this same Gospel of John. I have power to lay my life down. I have power to pick it back up. Not one of us has the power to do that. And he laid it down and he picked it back up. But God was able to do it in the beginning. At creation, light was shown. We showed you then how the names in Genesis 5 tell the whole story from the need of man to the, the substitute of Seth in place of Abel, all the way through the church age, all the way to the removal of the church, to Noah and Israel being preserved through the millennium. God's story all the way through the Bible is the same salvation and man's need of it and the light that needs to be. But when we get to John 1, 1, the promised seed of Genesis 3.15 comes to earth. And it comes to earth in human flesh. We see here the word. Then we see the thought. The word word, did you notice it's capitalized? is the Greek word logos. You ever heard that term? Some people have Bible software called logos software. Well, in classical Greek, logos has the idea of philosophical thought. The Greeks were people who liked to argue. When I use the word argue, I don't mean argue like my sister and I did, and she won. But 
argue in the sense of debate. Okay? So the Logos, they use that as philosophical thought. But in our Bible, it's interesting, and the only way to know this, how many of you have heard of the Septuagint? Okay? The Septuagint is where they take the Hebrew and translate it into the Greek. When they translated the word uh, out of the Hebrew into the Greek, the word logos, they transfer, trans, uh, uh, translated the word devar from Hebrew into the Greek logos. This word has a deeper meaning, for it denotes not just word, but action. The idea is what God says is what God does. What God says is what God does. Now, how many of us can make that claim? In the beginning, the thought, the logos, the one who is not just word but action. It's a Hebraic more than a classical Greek. So the bottom line is this. The word is eternally God. The word is equally God. The word is essentially God. He has all of his attributes. The word is alive. Then we see two things that come out of the word. We see life and we see light. Look at verse 4. In him was life. Same word, was. Continually living. Constant life. In him right now is life. Life. Isn't that a precious word? Life. So many people are alive today but have no life. In fact, what is our famous lines of the day? I wish you'd get a life. Never heard that term? There's no life. People are walking around this world today in a daze. They're like zombies and they don't know what to do. And you and I have witnessed on television and through our emails and through pictures I put up, people walking around in a daze because an earthquake hit where our missionary is in Japan and destroyed that area. And I still get updates from Brother Mita telling us that there's still problems over there and there's still people out. Of, but it's off the news, been off the news, so we just out of sight, out of mind. But there are people walking around in the days. They've lost everything that they thought was really reasonably theirs to be. Not understanding there's an eternity that they're going to spend forever with somebody someplace, heaven or hell. And then today we find out about this horrible flooding in the Philippines and there's a daze and people are on the sides of a major highway. Some are just standing there as the helicopter flies over and I'm sure they're thinking, what do I do now? The songwriter put it if all I had he took away, then I would still have to say, God has been so good to me. You see, the things that I love, Dottie Rambo said, and hold dear to my heart are just borrowed. They're not mine at all. Jesus only let me use them to brighten my life. So remind me, Remind me, dear Lord, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Listen to this. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. See, as Christians, we, hang, we shouldn't be hanging on too tight to things. But you know, there are Christians that are hanging on to everything they can possibly hang on in this life, and they're not understanding that this life is but a compared to eternity. 
It's over. Just, I mean, I've been alive 55 years, and it seems like it was just yesterday I was a kid running around in a place called Indianapolis, Indiana, near Speedway with Eagle Creek as my background that actually flooded our basement. It seems just yesterday that instead of having Christmas like Mel and I will spend it this year at a friend's house, we were spending it with my mom and dad. No, there were lots of things I remember. And then it was our kids. And then it's grandkids. And you wonder, how did that happen? And not just grandkids, lots of them. It says here, all things were made by Him, the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In your Bible, it's interesting that God says that He, as God made it, Jesus made it, and the Holy Spirit made it. That's because they're three in one and one in three. I've had so many people say, Preacher, can you explain that to me? No. God said it, I just believe what He said. Then I want you to see He's life. He's created life. He's now the light. And the light comes in. And what does the light do? Shineth in darkness. Now what did Genesis say? That the light divided the day from the darkness. It, it made a distinction. A complete distinction between the two. I want you to know that Jesus comes on the scene here. And He is the light that is shining. It's present tense. That means he's continually shining right now. It's active. That means he is actively shining his light right now. And it's indicative. That means it's absolutely true. The light of Christ is shining today. Whether you go to a Baptist church or a Catholic church or any other church, if there's no light, get out. Some denominations have rejected the book. Religions have rejected Christ. You need the light of Jesus Christ and Him alone. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I wish that Bible wasn't so hard. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the That's hard. I have to go think about that. Amen? I don't care who you are. There's only one way you're getting in through Jesus. Not getting any other way. And I've got to tell you something else. You ain't going to have a friend stand in for you neither. You're going to give an account of yourself right before God. And my Bible says there's coming a day everybody's going to bow. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who he is. So I think I'll start now. I'll confess him now. He says here that he was the light shineth in darkness. Now listen to this. And the darkness comprehended it not. That's an old English word. Or the darkness couldn't grab hold of or seize the light. Now, you ought to get real excited here. Let me tell you what that verse is saying. That verse is saying that darkness can't do anything to get rid of the light. Oh, he tried in the Garden of Eden. He said, I'll fix this light thing. And in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve took of the fruit, 
God stepped on the scene with amazing grace and he killed the coats of skin and put them on them and clothed them and told them about the coming seed of the woman. And then Revelation 12 says that there was the devil ready to grab the child of the woman the minute he was born, but that didn't happen. And now he's trying to silence the light coming out of you and I, and he may be able to turn the light off in your light because you won't listen to what the God is saying. You'll listen to what the devil's saying, but he'll never put out the light of Jesus. Nobody can extinguish light. Now, I'm not real bright when it comes to science. In fact, I don't understand a lot about science, except that it was one of those grades in school that weren't good. But the definition of darkness in a simplistic form is no light. Absent of light. But the definition of light is not absent of light. Of darkness. Darkness has to flee when light is present. Darkness can't exist where light comes in. The only way you can have darkness is to remove light. He is my life, but He is my light. No, this is not popular preaching, but this is Bible preaching. God has given light through His creation. It says so in Romans 1, that creation itself gives enough light that there's a God. Do you know how I know that that's true? Why is it in all cultures there's some kind of a God? In all cultures, there's some kind of a spirit realm. It may be totally unbiblical, but there is something inside a man that's void, that's hungry. There is a side deep inside of you that's a spiritual side, and it's longing for something that matters. What you're longing for, don't realize it, is Jesus. And he, the light comes on. But let me tell you something. You who sit there and say, I'll sow my wild oats first. I'll do this or that first. I'm going to make sure I raise my kids. I'll, I'll get in at the end. Number one, you don't know when your life is going to end. And number two, God may never shine the Holy Spirit's light bulb in your heart again. I know people don't like this, but it's in your Bible. You read Romans chapter 1. There is a line you can step over, and God says He will turn you over to a reprobate mind. And the word reprobate means damned incapable of being saved. God is a God of love. He would never do that. May I remind you, God, before He's anything else, is holy, holy, holy. It never says He's love, love, love. It never says He's just, just, just. It never says He's righteous, righteous, righteous. It only says He's holy, holy, holy. So holy that for you to go to heaven, He had to send His Son Jesus into the womb of the Virgin Mary and send Him to the cross of Calvary and to say that your sin's no big deal. And you can do what you want to do is slap the Son of God in the face and say your death is meaningless. We don't think sin's a big deal, but God does. It cost Him His Son. Now, thank God, he hates sin, but he loves sinners. 
And he's, right now, this morning, he's sending light. He's sending light right through this Bible. They're trying to take Christ out of Christmas and have holiday trees and happy holidays. I, I, every time someone answers the phone, happy holidays, I say, I'll do business with somebody else that believes in Christmas. Thank you. You know why they're doing that? They're trying to put out the light. Trying to put out the light. Can I tell you something? <laughs> they thought they put the light out when they killed Jesus on the cross. And then all of a sudden we get to the book of Acts and they've got a problem all over again. But this time it's not Jesus, there's 12 guys. There's 11 that survived and we got this new guy, Paul. And this new guy, Paul, who was going down the Damascus Road to put out the light, got the light shone in his eyes. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the Holy Ghost comes by your way and pricks your heart and says, hey, you are going the wrong way. And it says, what would you have me to do, Lord? Paul knew who he was. And when he had letters to take them all and kill them all, next thing you know, he's preaching to them all. The light. And they thought, we'll get rid of Peter. And there was an angel came in. And Peter, had, he, he wasn't even worried about the thing. He was in jail. Man, if I got in jail around here and saw some of those guys that were in that jail, I'd be up all night watching every one of them. Come near me, I will beat you up. <laughs> Peter's asleep between the guards. The angel has to smack him and say, hey, wake up. Peter thinks he's having a cool dream. Man, this is pretty cool. Next thing you know, he's out in the street going... Wow, this is cool. But in the meantime, they're having a prayer meeting for Peter, which is so cool because that's what we ought to do, right? We ought to have a prayer meeting. Of course, we ought to believe what we're praying. I mean, I'm just saying, we ought to believe what we're praying. And he comes and knocks on the door, and a little girl goes to the door and says, Hey, it's Peter. No, it's not Peter. We're praying for him to get out of prison. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? The light. We see the light comes and we saw that they took Paul and they beheaded him. We saw they took Peter and based on what we read in history, don't know if it's true, we read in history, they crucified him upside down. We saw what they did to James and they just kept on shining the light. A man came on the scene after the Bible was written in the first century church by the name of Polycarp. And he was an old, old man. He'd been walking with the Lord since he was young. And they came and they got him. And as they were taking him to the stake to burn him at the stake, he prayed with such a power of God on him that the guards were falling down like flies all around him. And they got him up on that stake and they tied him there and they lit that flame and he began to sing with the testimony of God. There wasn't an ouch Oh, that hurts. I wish you wouldn't do that. Oh, God, where are you? He just praised him, and that made him mad, and they stoked the fire more, and he just wouldn't burn. Then they got angry, and they pierced his side, and the blood came out and put the fire out, and they had to stoke it again. They said, denounce him, deny him. He said, 80 and 6 years have I walked with him, and he's never done one bad thing for me. Why should I renounce him now? They tried to put the light out, and it just sang. And oh, there's people, they're all been out of shape. There's Christian people, I get their emails all the time, and they're been out of shape. What are we going to do? The world is falling apart. What are we going to do? It looks like things are getting bad. What are we going to do? You just watch what God does. You just watch what God does. The Bible and history bear this out. The popular church that's never persecuted loses its fire, loses its zeal. 
and it waters down the word, tries to just get along with everybody. But the persecuted church stays pure to the word and people come together. Now, listen to me very carefully. I have no fellowship, nor can I have any fellowship with anybody who does not hold to the doctrine of Christ. I think it's interesting that in the Bible, remember that verse, don't bid them Godspeed? He didn't say, don't bid them Godspeed if they don't have your legalism. That's not what he said. You know, stuff we think is really important. He said, if there come any man unto your home and bring not this doctrine of Christ. Remember what it said in the Gospels? What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Where do you stand on Jesus Christ? That is the foundation. I want to see, is it the word? Before I look at music, before I would look at youth groups, before I'd look at how many they're running, I would look at what's coming out of the pulpit. Are they teaching and preaching the word of God? Because your kid can get all the functions he wants out of a school. He can get all the music he wants when he's in his car and in his room and every place else. But where is he getting fed the absolute, unadulterated, word by word, verse by verse, word of God? Well, look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. Uh-oh. Different word for was. <laughs> this word means to become. The very continuous Jesus in, as God at a specific point in time was made flesh. He was not always flesh back in the beginning. He was made flesh. Do you remember over there in John 8, 58, where it says, Before Abraham was, I am. There's your two words. Before Abraham became to be a specific point in time, I have always been. Did you get that? I'm looking to make sure you got that. That's so important. Before you ever became to be, Jesus is. You remember what he said to Jeremiah? He said, before you were formed in the mother's belly, I knew you. Before there was even conception, I knew all about you, Jeremiah. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I, I just get so excited about this because the word dwelt means tabernacle. And many times Peter used that word to talk about the body we live in. It's a tabernacle. And here I live in this tabernacle. And Jesus, God, I mean, very, very essence. God, Spirit God, stepped into a tabernacle, a body just like mine. And I don't know if you get this or not, he's still in the body. He just got that glorified when we ain't got yet. He was willing to step down into a body and never go back to where he came from as far as the way it was in the beginning. He's still in a glorified body. And he, we'll see, we'll be able to, to see, they're, they're going to look at him. Israel will look at him and say, where'd you get those nail prints? He'll say, in the house of my friends. Isn't that amazing? The word became flesh and tabernacle, dwelt just like us. He made it so you could touch him and see him. And he left witnesses to prove it. My Bible says there was all these witnesses and then there was about 500 all at one time. And Paul said when he wrote that, the greater part of that number are still alive today. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John is writing this, so I think he's referring to that transfiguration here. And we beheld his glory. The glory 
as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace. Aren't you glad for that one? And full of truth. I wouldn't reject the light if I were you. Because you may not get it again. In the beginning God created. And he made light. Because men are in darkness. In the beginning was the word continually existing. And he was life and light. The next few verses said John came to bear witness of the light. And one day John will introduce him and say, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away my favorite part of that verse. No more blood of bulls and goats that just push sins forward. He took them away. And like the little kids sing, gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. And you can't do nothing about it. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. That just makes me feel like super. Ah, thank you, Lord. Amen. They're gone. I know what I am. I know what I do. I know what I think. I know how I act. I know I'm not always perfect. But when he sees me, he sees the blood of the lamb. And he sees me as righteous and not as I am. So this Christmas, just don't think about the birth. Just don't think about the death. Just don't think about the resurrection. But think about the eternal God is still eternal God. Has always been eternal God. Will always be eternal God. And why don't you let him shine through you so you can beam his light to somebody that needs to see light. Amen. Our Father, I pray in the name of Jesus you would encourage our hearts. Lord, I don't know. I never know if someone might be here that the darkness is there and for the first time they've met light the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is his death burial and resurrection but it's an empty manger and it's an empty cross now and it's an empty tomb you are eternally God and only through faith in what you did for them at Calvary to pay their sin debt can put their name in the Lamb's book of life and I pray that that light has touched them the Holy Spirit's convicting them that they would not turn that conviction away. Our Father, we pray that you dismiss us with your blessing. Bring us back tonight as we finish up this series on the big picture. Because every single place we turn in the Bible tells part of the big picture that you gave us in the beginning of Genesis, in the beginning of John, and the end of beginnings when you set forth it all in motion with creation. And then brought your son into this world as the seed of the woman to do exactly what he did. Go to Calvary and be resurrected. And though the devil's trying hard to extinguish the light, and yes, he has gotten Christians to turn their light off in them. They're not shining anymore. They can't extinguish the light and you will continue to send the light around the world. I pray, Lord, that you would do it. And even today, in churches, in communities, in places where devastation is hit, somebody would come to know you today. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Brethren, we have met to worship and That concludes our Pulpit Hour message for today. If you would like to order a copy of today's message, 
you can call our studios at 828-884-9427 or write to us at WGCR 3232 Hendersonville Highway, Pisgah Forest, North Carolina, 28768. You can also hear today's message on our website at WGCR.net. The Pulpit Hour is brought to you by Anchor Broadcasting.